0: Welcome to Casual Swinger. If you're under 18, the following podcast is not appropriate for you. The subjects and language are for mature audiences only. If you're not mature in nature, just make sure you're old enough to vote. We don't take ourselves seriously, ever. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any opinions or statements made on this podcast, our website, or our blog. It's all in fun, folks. This isn't Dr. Phil. Now consider yourself the listener properly advised.
1: Welcome to Casual Swinger. My name's Mickey.
0: And I'm Mallory.
1: And it's gonna rain.
0: It's definitely gonna rain. It's gonna rain. We're We're sitting here watching the track of Hurricane Dorian and located outside Orlando here in Central Florida. We're still holding our breath a little bit and our heart goes out to those folks down in the Caribbean, specifically the Bahamas right now. Yeah,
1: they're getting hammered as we record this right now. So it's a Sunday afternoon and and we thought you know what we got some time so let's uh sit down and and put this thing together there's hurricane parties going on all over the damn place there
0: is I mean I only came out of my pillow fort to record this I'm going (laughs) immediately back as soon as we're finished
1: you know I saw a meme uh what was it yesterday and it was like the Spartans you know like the 300 and it's Floridians during a hurricane (laughs) and then it was like the Monty Python like goofy ass like you know army men hiding in a in a in a trench yeah. for Floridians if it's under 60 degrees.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, we party right up until the line of imminent danger.
1: Right. Like you're going to die. Okay. Yeah. I'll go hide. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we've, uh, we've got a really, really cool episode for these guys today.
0: We do. Um, And again, I apologize for going rogue on you. We got to talk with Susan Wright of NCSF. Um, and typically we have like, our cadence and we and we stay in communicato when we're talking to these people and we're interviewing and I was just so I wanna say starstruck and captivated. Um
1: enraptured.
0: Raptured. Yeah, enraptured. (laughs) Um I just went rogue.
1: She did, but I liked it because I really love that she had things to say that really resonated with you, which I love. So Susan Wright is the chairperson of the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom, and we talked with her today about some of the things they've been up to, what's going on in Fort Wayne, Indiana, or was going on anyway. Um, We had a lot of cool conversation with her, so I think you guys are going to love it. And we called this episode, In Her Honor, and this this was a a cool little addition from Mallory, (laughs) Give Me Freedom (laughs) and... and Give me sex. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: Wasn't that from like Braveheart? Like,
1: no, he no? just screamed freedom like an asshole and oh, Okay.
0: <laughs> freedom.
1: <laughs> and then he got his balls cut off. I don't want anybody to cut my balls off. I'm a big no, fan. No, I like them.
0: They're <laughs> very tasty. <laughs> I'd like to keep them.
1: But, you know, speaking of Braveheart and oppression and freedom, right? So yeah. ca- Casual Toys has been taking a beating here lately. Dude,
0: right? like literally, fuck the patriarchy. I'm so over... This bullshit that we've been trying to go through, which ironically kind of started that the tip of the iceberg for us in what led us to this conversation with Susan. I mean, we 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 saw these folks um, at Notting Islands right out in the out in the wilds, talking with them, you know, finding out what they do, because that was the first time I had ever been exposed. And I felt like I'd been living under a rock.
1: Yeah, well, me too. I mean, I just, I remember the girl with purple hair. And I was like, okay, there's another chick with purple Kira? hair. Welcome yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, and it's like Kira. And uh, I was like, okay, purple hair, cool. Yeah. And then we realized the huge job those folks have. And, of course, yeah. the folks from the champagne club were there. And yeah. I didn't really think anything of it. I'm like, yay, another swinger club. But then... You know, in my mind, when I started seeing all the troubles we were dealing with with casual toys and the family values driven old fart white guy patriarchy that we've been dealing with. By the way, I'm going to be an old white guy at some point. I won't like me either then.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And I won't let you have the kind of hypocrisy and, you know, quote unquote, one version of morality for all. Right. Yeah. My Um, version's your version. Jeez, Louise. It's just, it's just silly. It's absolutely silly. And I was dumbfounded that this still happens in this day and age oh
1: yeah so let's just talk casual toys for a hot second this is not an ad for casual toys by no. the way this is the bullshit we deal with so we get questions from prospective customers on our little chat bot and they're like hey where are the you know flesh colored dildos for example i can't find a dildo with balls in a suction cup on your website why not
0: because we're not allowed to carry it. No, because it looks like a real penis and that is bad, that is dirty and not allowed. It's
1: fucking ridiculous. What about
0: what about um nice little flogger or maybe some fuzzy handcuffs? No, we're not allowed to no. sell
1: BDSM items. I can't sell a flogger. I can't sell fuzzy handcuffs. We can't sell a a uh harness of any kind.
0: Yeah, cuz they 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 that takes us into um too high of a risk.
1: Yeah, that's high risk. Like we're we're selling opioids or something. You guys
0: like sex a little too much. That's
1: ridiculous. And so, this
0: looks like it's for more than just you know a middle aged white guy.
1: <laughs> Apparently, I can't. I can sell Smurf dick. I can sell Hulk dick. Yeah. But I can't sell a white dick. Yes.
0: <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. If there, here's
1: the trick. It can't Fucking be flesh colored. It can be blue, purple. It can be green. It can be yellow. But you know what? It can also be. Black. They don't think black is a flesh color.
0: Oh, so now they're racist. On top of now it they're all.
1: racist assholes. On top they're of being fuckers. sexually oppressive. God. Um So it's the credit card processors that are keeping us from doing that sort of thing. Did you know we can't sell vaginas, honey, unless they're made by fleshlight?
0: Yes. Yeah. That's which is obviously like hilarious. I'm like, who put that lobbyist in? Yeah, that in guy needs a because a fleshlight definitely looks like you know. The mold of a vagina with some lips and sometimes a little hair on there. Mm-hmm. And that one's allowed. <laughs>
1: Explain the fuzzy hair on the top. It's of the
0: weird, head. <laughs> dude. I've only seen a couple in person that have had the hair, and I'm like, it feels like fishing line. Right. Like, that's what I like, can to. What's that it supposed to. to
1: do? Is that supposed to tell you you're not fucking a tube?
0: I don't know. Maybe it's just, a, I think it's got to be aesthetic because I don't know that there's a physical application. Like, does it, like, I don't know. Maybe you're shaved and it tickles a little. I have no idea. I don't have those mechanics. Does it
1: tickle their nose when they lick it?
0: I don't know. Let's try it on you and you can tell no, me. No, no, in
1: a second. Hey, did we ever talk about the date we went on where the dude sold his flashlight on eBay?
0: No, but I don't think we should because I think they listen. <laughs>
1: I was proud of him. I'm not like, dude, rock on. Somebody bought a used flashlight on eBay. I'm not That's judging true. I'm not judging the
0: man. Okay. All right. I, yeah. I couldn't tell if it had an error judgment. Okay. So good, <laughs> good on you, good man. Good
1: on you. He's the best salesman in America yeah. because I don't know how many dudes would buy a used flashlight, yeah. but there is a guy out there that did it.
0: I got a little excited. I just like yelled into the microphone. Sorry, guys.
1: <laughs> so, you know, the other thing we can't do is we can't market sexually oriented business Oh <laughs>
0: yeah social media is like no well right
1: <laughs> so today you know there's a lot less marketing on web pages it's it's not skyscrapers and banners and shit anymore it's all social media right honey i mean it's, yeah it's everywhere it's yeah. instagram and youtube and and we can't market any of them. we can't monetize anything we create on youtube we can't do we can't market on facebook yeah no, we got kicked off of facebook yeah by fucking yeah. facebook
0: yeah because um yeah the way our uh, society and and The way we're interpreting information is totally different than it was like five and eight years ago We want to socialize the information, but nobody wants it like popping up right in their face in the middle of reading an article or scrolling through their feed They want it to feel organic. So it's almost like subliminal advertising is how I describe it Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, a little bit. They just want it to
1: be very surreptitious.
0: Yes, surreptitious I couldn't Mm, have pulled that one out of my house. Yeah, nope not happening. I couldn't even speak last night. I was using words incorrectly. Like by the sixth one, I was like, These motherfuckers know what I'm talking about.
1: Just wave it off. It's <laughs> fine. By the way, we got we got hurricane drunk last night, folks. It was fun. We had some folks over and, and did that sort of thing. But you know, and the I guess the last thing that, that I wanted to throw out about oppression is no one will take our money. No. PayPal doesn't want it, Clover doesn't want it. Like Square I didn't wipe my it. vagina with
0: it. Like <laughs> it's not dirty.
1: I, I'd take it if you wiped your vagina with <laughs> I'm not vagina. putting
0: money in my pussy. Okay. Can I, just Gross. my face? Germs.
1: Germs. <laughs> germs. I have germs. So yeah, we're considered high risk by our credit card processor. And that's why there's a lot of weird, you know, stuff missing from our site. We have 29 pages of lube. That's fine. But yes. we, <laughs> we can't have a flesh colored dick. <laughs> so
0: speaking of oppression, it was really great. Honestly. um, I feel empowered, inspired, um, you know, after our conversation with Susan, I, yeah. I love what these guys are doing. I would personally love to work with them more um, in our, you know, podcast life as well as our personal life, you know, because you and I experience, you know, the 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 fear that comes behind with not being able to be who we are in our everyday life, specifically with work because it's just, it's not okay. And that's 99.9 of the reason why we're not out in the ether and showing our faces and and taking a more of an advocacy role is because we can't. Yeah. Our livelihood depends on it.
1: Well, and, and it's it one bothers of those me. where you want to be known for the work you do. You want to be known for the, sure. for the effort you put in in your day job. Sure. And if everybody's wondering, you know, if you're getting your groove on, right? I mean, you know, we went to Chicago for yeah. work. Yeah. And, and we're like, hey, you know, we're done. We're going to stay here an extra couple of days. Maybe we'll have a little bit of mm-hmm. fun.
0: Yeah. You're,
1: you're, we're scared to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I had to, it was really difficult because there were a lot of stragglers um, from, you know, my neck of the woods as far as, you know, the professional side of things that were still hanging around and, ooh, man, it was just cutting it a little close for me because I, I don't want to be discriminated against and I don't want to put my job on the line.
1: Yeah. And have to defend, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean... uh, your honor, my honor, right? I mean, it, to, to have somebody. And, you know, in the past, in my past life, I've had people call me out and and say, you know, what kind of person are you to let your wife do something like yeah. that? Well, you just told me everything about you by the way you said that. I don't yeah. let her do a fucking thing. Yeah.
0: I, you know, it's, <laughs> I use, I've been confronted twice so far in the last two years. And I took it as an opportunity to educate them on who I am um, mm-hmm. as a person as a whole. That That's just a facet of my life. And realistically, it's none of their business. But since they wanted to open the dialogue, I, I was happy to. But I also had to ask for their confidence, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, we're friends and not just colleagues. I will be an open book as long as I can trust you. Right. If we're going to have this
1: conversation, I, you need I, to understand
0: that this is not public information. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and you know, the, the place where I run into that is when I do have that conversation with somebody and then... Maybe they get drunk and they tell somebody else. Yeah. And now I have to deal with it again. Yes. And, and I haven't had
0: that as of yet, or mm-hmm. that I know of. So I haven't been confronted, or or there's not been anything that that tells me that that has transpired. So fingers crossed. Um, so
1: things like this, yeah.
0: That's why the NCSF exists. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Right. This is this. This is leading into this conversation with Susan Wright. Yeah. And. I think it's I think it's really useful.
0: I do too, and I love the article you wrote for ASN. I know you're not going to toot your own horn here. Um but it, it it gives the ability to to take both your worlds, right? Cuz they're kind of segregated. Mm-hmm. Um and and put them on paper and it was beautifully written if you guys have not read it. Um it's in this month's ASN magazine as well as the Fet magazine correct
1: Mm -hmm. it's the extreme lifestyle issue which just came out today Mm -hmm. uh but that's a pay to play issue you got to pay six bucks for that one Mm -hmm. um so he's going to put it in the october issue which interestingly enough is the uh women of the lifestyle issue in october so it's going to be in both
0: wow well congratulations again i love you i'm so proud of you thank you for doing that um It's just an amazing article. It's called, what, The Secret War?
1: It's called Secret War. Secret War. And and what it talks about is what we're fighting for, right? The war against sexual freedom that's being led by the morality police, the, the religious right. Uh, and the Champagne Club's efforts to stay open in the face of it. So, we talk about that particular instance. We talk about the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom. And uh, we talk about kind of how it happens. So, this whole oppression of sexuality. And, uh, you know, Mike Ramos at, at ASN was nice enough to give me a, a platform to say what I had to say.
0: Uh, I love it. Good job, honey. Oh, thank you very much.
1: I thought it was pretty cool. Yes. And, and I did a lot of research. I'm sure you're happy to not have books laying around
0: all over the place. <laughs> now. You know, I really don't have a thing against the books. I mean, you know me. I, I basically collect them. I think I have, last count was 23 that I next have ordered next to the bed that I'm <laughs> like, okay, I, now I've, I've taken a step. I've placed them in the correct sequence of to be read um no again i know you were head down and i get a little frustrated because i'm like i'd like the six uh, six, <laughs> uh, and, and you're just you know you're in research mode and and writer mode so i tried not to disrupt that
1: oh i love you anyway well look what can you do to defend your rights join the national coalition for sexual freedom we're going to bring you in just a minute susan wright from the national coalition for sexual freedom uh she's the chairperson she's the founder and uh, their mission is to defend the right of kingsters, lifestylers, and poly people everywhere. So I think that's going to be a really good time. I think they're going to enjoy it and maybe learn a thing or two. Do you want to tell everybody how lot. to find us?
0: So you guys know where we are. Uh, we're Casual Swinger Everywhere. That is Twitter, Instagram, not Facebook because they suck. Welcome. YouTube, uh, SLS, SDC, Cassidy, um, Double Date Nation, as Kick. well as Kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got some really great messages on kick recently. Totally made my day super sweet. And if you guys have more kudos to give, please uh, look at iTunes and give us a review there as well. If you'd like to send us a message via email or ask us questions, podcast at casualswinger.com is us. And feel free to check out Casual Toys.
1: Oh, God, yes. But, Please but no pink
0: dicks. Toys. No flesh-colored dicks, folks.
1: Yeah, you can get any color dick <laughs> you want other than peach or Caucasian. But, yeah, check out Casual Toys. And, hey, if you want a code for Casual Toys, uh, let's see. How about let's throw some love to the pineapples today. Our oh, friends yeah. are having a pineapple party on September 6th in Jacksonville. So that's their monthly party in Jacksonville. That's the pineapples, and the code for pineapples, if you want to go on Casual Toys, is pineapple. So if you type that, shocker. In, yeah, no shocker, right? I, should, I could have come up with something better. The fruit that eats you back. But hey, if you would like,
0: <laughs> if you would like to check
1: it out, Tork. you get a twenty percent off coupon from Casual Toys. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy this interview with Susan Wright from the NCSF. We'll be right back with you in just a second. You've been listening to Casual Swinger.
0: Welcome back to Casual Swinger, everybody. This is Mallory,
1: and this is Mickey,
0: and we have a wonderful guest for you guys today. This is Susan Wright with the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom. Welcome, Susan. Hey, Susan. Thank. Hey, thank
2: you so much for having me on.
1: Oh, we're excited to have you on. You guys' work is is legendary for us. The more I learn about NCSF, the more excited I get. And Mallory and I have been talking about about you guys and the things we are doing in the country for the last like month and a half.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you guys have been pretty busy. We are very busy. You know, we've been around for 22 years and um, we're a grassroots organization. So that means we're made up of people who are out there running the clubs, running the events, you know, um, running the membership organizations. And so they all, all letting us know the issues that they're having. So we're constantly jumping in from one place to the next, trying to help people um, be able to have their freedom.
0: I love it. And. Again, we're so appreciative of you joining us. Can you tell our listeners what you do for the organization?
2: Uh, Yes. Right now, I am the chairperson of the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom. I have been for about the past year and a half. And my specific jobs for NCSF are the Director of Incident Reporting and Response. And that's our crisis management. Um, When an individual needs help or a group or a business, they come to our IRR and our team of um, volunteers, does what we can to help uh, make a difference.
1: Mm, awesome. So let's start at the beginning, right? Uh, tell us about NCSF. What is its mission? What do you guys do in support of sexual freedoms? And you mentioned just a second ago, incidents. What's an incident? To give us an example uh, of what that is. So let, tell us about yourselves and what you do and what is an incident?
2: Um, well, uh, the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom is a coalition of groups and businesses uh, we have 96 coalition partners right now and that's groups and businesses and events. And um, we also have supporting members and individual members. So anybody can join and support this coalition. And what we do is we fight for the rights of people who are non-monogamous and are kinky, uh, who have fetishes, cross-dressing, any sort of variant sexuality um, that is being discriminated against and, and historically has been. And, um, So what we call an incident is when one of these incidents of discrimination takes place. Uh, We go in and we try to help resolve what's happening, whether it's a person who's fighting a child custody battle because they live with two of their partners or it's a club that is uh, facing, you know, a zoning issue. Um, And so they have to try to um, deal with the city. Or it's an event where the the hotel has been, you know, hit up with letters by uh, religious, political extremist groups, um, and being told, you know, you should cancel this terrible event. And we have to come in and speak for the event, event on their side, to make sure that their contract is not canceled. That's an incident. Got
0: it. Thank you for clarifying that. So since we're t- already talking about incidents. Um, I was on your website and I was looking at the reports on statistics that you guys had going back to 2014. For example, there was 184 and then let's jump to 2016 at 109. But in 2018, there were 279 uh, reports and requests. Can you talk a little bit about why the increase?
2: Yes. um, It's very important to note because we track everything that's happening so we can let the communities know. Um, hey, these are the trends, and what you picked up on is a very important trend. Um, we uh, used to have, you know, a high of like 400, 500 incidents a year, and then when we um, worked with the American Psychological Association, and they depathologized BDSM, they basically said people who are kinky are mentally healthy. That changed a lot of things: uh, child custody, job discrimination. And so the numbers really started plummeting, and we had that low in 2016. Um, And then suddenly uh, in August, September of of, um, 2016, things started going back up again. We started seeing a lot more discrimination by hotels against events, um, by these uh, political groups, these religious extremist political groups, um, being more active and trying – like pixels, not porn – targeting certain events, it just was an upsurge. And this year we're on track to do even more. Um, It looks like the numbers are are trending towards 300 and above. So this really just shows us that discrimination is on the rise in the past few years. And um, as far as we can tell, it's it's the rhetoric of us versus them that seeps in to the social discourse when people start drawing walls and saying, no, we're protecting folk like this, but not folk like that. Um, we're, you know, we're, we're variant, you know, we're the ones that people are going to look at and go, Oh, they're different from us, we're going to discriminate against them. So we have to work much harder nowadays than we did several years ago to help people.
0: I believe it. I I, I definitely do. There's this um, subconscious fear of the unknown or what people don't understand. And I think that's one of the personally, I think, one of the leading causes of that type of discrimination is either a lack of understanding or acceptance, right? Um, I think
2: so. Yeah, it's like ignorance. Um, It's not like people are evil or, you know, bad intentions. I think they all think that they have um, the best intentions to try to help other people, but they don't know um, what it is that you're talking about, especially when it comes to these kinds of communities, the fact that we're educational communities, the fact that we're, we're gathering places for peers, like-minded people to come together. The fact that we have to be able to talk about these things so that we can learn how to talk to our partners. Um, so, yeah. yeah.
0: And I just learned something you mentioned, like in these court cases that, um, what was it, the, uh, the American Association of Psychologists or Psychiatrists, I can't remember exactly what you said, but they deemed kink, mentally healthy, and literally my face dropped like, whoa, that, that was an issue. They, they thought oh, yeah. they weren't mentally weird, not mentally sound. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy.
2: And no, that's why people's kids got taken away from them. In 2008, when this was still happening, uh, we had 124 parents come to us for help because their child custody had been threatened just because they were kinky. You know, oh. the attorneys were taking wow. the DSM manual and flipping it over in court and pointing to this very confused text that started out with spanking and ended up with like, you know, murder, uh, like one paragraph and was like, Ooh, the slippery slope. And it says here, if you have one paraphilia, you might have another one, which means that you could be a pedophile. So we have to take your kids away. They're watching way too much criminal minds. Awful. I
0: think. Yeah, they
1: really are. You watch too much criminal minds, but so let me get this straight. Cause this is, and, and we're definitely uh, off text here and, and I'm fine with it. Cause I love this conversation, but, You know, there have been cases in in the case of LGBT where, you know, transsexuals were identified as having body dysmorphia and that they were actually, there's something wrong with their brain and that's how they were categorized for a very long time. That's, That's not a mistaken identity. It's not a different identity. They actually were told they had an issue. Are we saying that psychologists in some places of this country actually assign or used to assign kink as some sort of mental disorder?
2: Yes, that's
0: that's, exactly what was happening. Right? That's just, my I, I, I can't wrap my hat around it in this moment.
1: I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's utterly maddening. And, you know, kink goes way beyond just kink, right? Kink can be lifestyle swinging. It can be polyamory. Yes. Uh, there's a yeah. lot of things No, it there.
2: really is kind of like an umbrella. But, you know, our numbers last year, we had um, only 20 parents come to us for help. Even though the discrimination is up, And that's actually kind of gone up in the past few years. It really dipped down and then went back up a little bit. And we're seeing almost as many cases um, regarding non-monogamy as we are kink now. But it's much harder for family courts to discriminate against um, people just because they're kinky um, after the APA came out with this. But we're still now we're we're seeing problems with non-monogamy. So...
1: Hmm. So you guys aren't just involved in public matters and, and things like clubs or public policy. You guys also get involved in personal incidents of discrimination. So do you see a lot of reports of families dealing with discrimination? Is it is it mostly poly? Or does it happen in cases of maybe like a parent is lifestyle or maybe a non custodial parent is found to be in the lifestyle and is suffering from discrimination? Do you see those types of issues?
2: Yeah, normally at this point, it's uh, people who are polyamorous and actually living with their partners. But I think part of that is because a lot of people who are in the lifestyle don't realize that NCSF as a resource exists. It could be that it's happening and people have no idea who to reach out to to try to get help. And so that's one reason I mention it, because we really want your listeners to know and to spread the word. If you hear somebody's having a problem with this, and it's typically in a divorce case, um, uh, where, you know, one parent wants to try to get custody. Um, and we have seen issues with, you know, job discrimination around the lifestyle, but not so much uh, child custody issues. So we're starting a new program where we're, we're going to be really actively reaching out to seek out people who might be having this issue.
0: Right on. So the first time I ran into uh, NCFS in the wild was when we were at Naughty New Orleans, recently this past July. So how is the organization kind of disseminating or socializing their presence out here to the ether so that people can find them? Are you guys doing other events? Is there like social media marketing that you guys are doing? How are you, how are you trying to get the word out? You've been around for 22 years, but it feels—it sounds like a lot of people that may need you don't know you're there.
2: Right. Well, um, within the kink community, we're extremely well known just because there's a lot of regular conferences that we can go to. We hit probably 60 conferences a year. Nice. As well as, yeah, as well as doing um, individual workshops. So, for example, Nadia Norlands is a great conference for us because that's one place where we can go and reach a lot of people in the lifestyle. We've done couples' cruises before, and we're looking actively for more events that we can do. Um, For example, like we're going to hold our annual meeting in March in Houston. And, you know, we've asked Collect Clubs if we can have a consent social on Sunday at their club, and they've agreed. So we try to do things like that to just reach out to people um, in person. And we also, of course, have our Facebook page, NCS Freedom. Uh, and we also have our, um, our website, which is ncsfreedom.org. And so we have Twitter, and, you know, we're putting up um, our consent signs on Instagram. So we have a, a variety of channels.
0: Love it. So I'll back that up a little bit and to eat my words. So you guys are very good at socializing the messaging. It's just uh, participating on our end in the exposure. So that's great because I also looked at your events calendar, which I found fascinating. You guys are all over the place, super busy. And the next event coming up um, that was on there was Sex Down South.
2: Yes, Sex Down South is an amazing, diverse conference. Um, if anybody's interested in going and socializing with people who are very progressive and interested in talking about these issues, that's a great place to go. Oh yeah.
0: I mean, and it covers so many things. I was really impressed. Anything between, you know, non-monogamy, uh, polyamory uh, and um, what was it? Oh, age, race, disabilities, sexual, sexuality, um,
2: youth, sex.
0: It, 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 I mean, it literally covered everything.
2: Yes. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing conference, and that's the kind of conferences we try to, you know, have a presence at. You know, there's more and more polyamory conferences happening. Like we just went to Minnesota PolyCon, uh, and of course, uh, you know, it's it's we're trying to reach into all different areas. Got it. So,
1: you know, let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges that people in alternative lifestyles face, um, some of their fears, and maybe how NCSF helps address some of those Fears. Uh, You know, I was reading an article recently. Actually, uh, we have an article that we published for ASN Magazine talking uh, with you specifically. And one of the things that we talked about in there is some recent reports that even people that are LGBT, with all the strides that LGBT has made in the last 25 years, that more than 50% of the LGBT community still is in the closet at work. And if they, with all the strides they've made, are still in the closet and don't feel comfortable coming out for varying degrees, various reasons. What's it like for a lifestyler? What's it like for somebody that is in the kink community or the poly community? Is it hard for them to come out? And what are they afraid of? And I bet that percentage is actually nearly 100% don't come out of the closet at work. So what does SF do for them? And are there any online resources available for those folks to help them deal with those feelings and fears that they have?
2: Um, Well, we do, we have a study out uh, that we did five years ago and it was 80% of kinksters are closeted. And we're getting ready to put out our consent survey that's going to be asking the same question of um, people who are polyamorous, people who are in the lifestyle. Um, I'm thinking it's probably even more for people in the lifestyle, maybe slightly less for people who are polyamorous because like people who are LGBTQ, who they have relationships, you know what I mean? So it's it's their, their day-to-day, the people they're living with. So it's hard to, harder to hide that, um, you know, just like when you're talking about your husband, if you're, if you're a man or your wife, if you're a woman, um, you know, if you're talking about your partners. So um, it, it's, I think that's one reason that's jetting polyamory kind of into the, the social discourse. So we, do, we have a narrative project that we're working on and we're gathering people's stories and one of the things we're gathering stories on is about people who have been outed and people who have outed themselves and things that happened to them and um, things that would, that would have helped them um, if they could have had access to it, things that did help them that they did. And we're having um, a team right now analyze these very long stories to find commonalities so we can put that out as a resource to people because it is becoming much more of an issue. I mean, you know, face it, we were really underground. 20 years ago, nobody was out, um, you know, and now that more people are wanting to like talk about this, this is, you know, our life, this is who we are. You know, we should be able to, to mention, yes, we went to, on a couple's cruise, you know, uh, for our vacation or yes, we're going uh, away for the weekend to have this amazing uh, time to um, be able to say that casually without being sexually harassed at work or ha- be seen as um you know, not somebody that they want to promote because of that.
0: Yeah. Or socially, right. With your, your peers, like, you know, you become some sort of pariah.
2: Oh, absolutely. And that's what it is. You you get sexually harassed because then people feel free to come and talk to you about your sexuality. You know, the whole slut shaming thing. They assume that you're available um, much less, you know, all, all this purient interest. And then what happens is the workplace fires you for being a disruption in the workplace. They don't, they don't, (laughs) They don't censure the other people for sexually harassing you. No, they identify um, you as the nuisance.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> yes. And that is a real problem. I mean. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So That's I, what we're trying to change. And that's why we're trying to encourage the media. That's one thing we really do is we interact with the media quite a bit to, to try to change the dialogue around this. Because that's really where the change comes. I couldn't agree more. Now, in
0: that, you had mentioned consent, and that's a big word. That's a that's a hot topic, hot button item. Um, can you tell me what NCFS's approaches to consent, how you're helping to spread the word on that a little more, and what the philosophy is behind it?
2: Well, NCFS has our Consent Counts Project that's been going on for over a decade. And um, we've been um, talking as, as our communities about consent and Um, calling each other out and calling out leaders long before the Me Too movement started publicly. Um, So NTSF has gone back to uh, the communities to find out what is your definition of consent, um, to find out, um, you know, it's not black and white. I mean, there's all sorts of gray areas of like coercion. When is something coercive? When is something manipulative? Um, When is somebody in a sound mind or not? Um, You know, how much does drugs or alcohol play into when you can consent or not? Um, So there's a lot of areas that we've dived into and we've created our consent statement that talks about legal and ethical issues. We go out and we do consciousness raisings about consent. Often at these um, conferences where we're at, we're doing a consent discussion where we all sit in a circle and we talk about consent and we get this feedback from people about what they need. So one of the things we started doing was working with groups and clubs and creating, you know, um, our community assistant guides, which tells people how to deal with a consent incident if it happens at your event, how to, um, you know, deal with trauma. Because there is a certain thing that happens to people who are traumatized, they may laugh, you know, or say, oh, no, nothing happened, even though clearly you saw something happen. Um, So, you know, these sorts of aids we have for groups to create a better consent Culture, And their latest thing is our consent signs that not just groups can post on the wall. They can pick out which ones reflect their consent culture, but people can post on social media. You know, this is my, you know, this is my favorite consent sign. And we have all different varieties of people in those signs, um, all different configurations, um, uh, diversity, and a diversity of consent slogans so people can find what suits them to help better message that because really consent is about communication and keeping that communication open.
1: So we've come a long way since key parties is what you're saying.
2: <laughs> yes. and, and yet that's still the stereotype oh. of us. Isn't that horrible that, that, it's like still this idea that it's, it's some sort of free for all when it's really the exact opposite. We are each deciding what we want our relationships with other people to look like. It's the most empowering thing in the world. And yet they constantly use the stereotype of disempowerment to represent us.
1: If key parties were a thing, there would be no such thing as a casual swinger. (laughs) I think
0: that's... (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, it was just, I think it came out of an era, and I don't even know if there were that many (laughs) that happened, but it was so outrageous. I think that it just kind of stayed in the public discourse. um, Because from what I understand, the real origin of the lifestyle, came out of the military, came out of the Air Force, came out of, um, you know, consoling people and, and forming that tight bond because everybody was at such risk. That's more the spirit, the true spirit of the lifestyle is people kind of coming together and forming these bonds with each other beyond just a husband and wife. I'm not going
0: to lie. I snickered a little bit at coming together. <laughs> um. <laughs> Ideally. No, because I, I yeah, I, I have to agree with you. And I didn't know that I'll have to research that and look it up and, and you know, read some uh, commentary on that spawning from the military because it does make a lot more sense as far as the connection, and the emotional and mental um, facets of, you know, swinging or non monogamy.
2: Yeah, both, the, um, both the, the leather community, the origins of the kink community, the modern kink community also came out of the military when a lot of servicemen came back, and they had their leather jackets and their motorcycles, and they loved the com- camaraderie of the, the service. And, um, you know, there was gay men among them, and they they kept that going. And um, also, it was World War II with the Air Force officers and their wives. And um, yeah, they, they had formed this very close bond. That is, that's The Modern Origins. Wow. Um, Yeah. That's
1: really cool. My eyes just (laughs) bugged out. I'm like, no shit, that's where it started. (laughs) Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it's been going on forever, but the modern community—you yeah, know what I mean, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Humans
1: aren't monogamous, biologically speaking. But um, so we talked a little bit about you know the resources that you guys offer and and some of the ways you approach things and in, in helping people. Do you have any legal aid resources for people that are running into problems, or a repository of, let's say, First Amendment-friendly lawyers for maybe somebody that's that's struggling with a freedom of speech issue uh, when it as relates to their sexuality? Uh, do you guys have any resources, legally speaking, that people can draw upon?
2: Uh, yes. NTSF does not provide legal aid ourselves, but we have our kink and poly-aware professionals list, which has over 2,000 professionals. And we also relied with Gay Law Net, which has many thousands of uh, different kinds of attorneys. And they some of their attorneys identify as kink-aware, but even the ones that are LGBTQ-friendly um, often are very sympathetic to our issues. So what what we do is we refer people to these lists. Um, I'll often search them for for people when they come to us for help, and um, and we're always recruiting more professionals for these lists. That's one reason. Like we went to the American Psychological Association in Chicago earlier this month. Uh, I mean in August um, because we do outreach and we try to sign up more professionals for these lists, um, whether it's a therapist or an attorney or a doctor. So um, that's a resource that people need to know about because often if you do get into trouble, you really want an attorney that is knowledgeable about our communities and sympathetic to our communities. You do not want to have to be trying to explain, uh, you know, who you are and what you were doing to your attorney who's sitting there like looking like, you know, a blank wall at you. You want your attorney to be your defender, and um, be able to be articulate, articulate in defending you and your case.
0: That's awesome. We actually, um, we did an episode and this has nothing to do with legal stuff, but in talking about like what happens, um, I believe it was the STD, STI episode where we had a doctor and a therapist on that are lifestylers because it's a lot easier to talk about those things once they already understand and and have the, the background and the firsthand experience is almost invaluable. Now, me locally where I live, like I, I don't have a doctor that, you know, I could have like looked into and say, you know, okay, I don't have to explain non-monogamy to them. I may have to, you know, have that dialogue. And if they have a personal objection to it, then I'm just going to have to, you know, move on, you know, and find someone who is not opposed and won't lecture me and all the, you know, rights and wrongs of my, my choices in my lifestyle. Because I've run into that before. So it's great that that, that's a resource that people can look to when they're looking for legal aid, even though you guys don't provide it directly, you give them the ability to find it.
2: Right. NCSF is a networker. We really try to bring people together with the people that they need, and um, we try to make those connections. And we look outward from the communities. We really try to educate outward. And we also try to look back at the communities and educate people in our communities about what they need to know to interface with the mainstream without being discriminated against.
0: Man, love it. Love it. Now, I haven't met you face to face, but I can tell in our short conversation that you're very knowledgeable, you're dedicated, and you're passionate about working with the organization. Can you tell me how long you've been with them overall and why you decided to become part of NCSF?
2: Well, I actually founded NCSF. I founded NCSF because I was working on a project in the mid-90s for the National Organization for Women. I was going around the country to regional uh, conferences and, you know, local chapters, and we were trying to get them to rescind their anti-BDSM policy. Um, Their anti-BDSM policy equated, you know, power exchange with, you know, reinforcing the patriarchy. And so I did this for several years. And as I was doing this, I kept on getting women coming up to me and saying, you know, I've been discriminated. I lost my job. I've been sexually harassed. I I lost child custody because I am kinky. And so I had made all these, you know, connections around the country. Um, so I just started gathering groups up and said, we really need to have a coalition because the groups couldn't deal with this. They were too busy educating and holding parties and you know, doing the stuff that needed to be done to keep the community going. So um, I really kind of just kind of dragged the first five groups together, and it's grown from the five groups. They picked it up and ran with it, and, you know, it's 96 96 coalition partners. And, you know, I've never actually been in charge of NCSF. It's really kind of funny. This this is the first time in 22 years that I've actually been the chairperson of NCSF. I've always worked with incident reporting and response, because that's where I, I came in. That that was the impetus of this, is to help people who needed it. Um, and then along the way, because I was outed, I became the spokesperson because I'm a writer. I'm okay with using my name out there, and it's caused me problems. I've lost contracts before, but um, because I was one of the few people out, I was able to be out there and vocal and talking on the news and things like that. So that's been kind of my journey through NCSF. Wow.
1: That's Awesome.
0: I'm awestruck.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Speechless. You know, it's funny. You brought up the ban on BDSM, and and I laugh about that because we talked about it during the intro here today. Uh, You know, for casual toys, casual toys is is our business uh, that, you know, we sell toys. And we have a really hard time selling toys when credit card companies using family values as an umbrella and risk... Uh, they won't let us sell certain things on our store or we can't accept credit cards through their company. And one of those things is BDSM items like fuzzy handcuffs. Uh, and, it's, and it's like, wow, so is family values another word for patriarchy? I think it is.
2: Yeah, it really is. It's just trying to restrict other people's abilities to express themselves because, you know, it, it goes against uh, some, some word that they've read. Um, although you know the hypocrisy involved in this is often very deep, um, where people who are fighting this are often themselves doing it, you know, privately, which um, is is really wrong. But companies now can discriminate against us. Um, I just got a email from somebody who lost their um, their email account because, and they're a sex educator, and now they have no way to contact all of their people that they've, you know, thousands of people who have contacted them and are on their lists and want to get this education, and boom, uh, a company was able to just decide on their own, nope, that's it, you don't fit our terms of service, and uh, you can no longer use it, and it's even worse when a bank takes your bank account away.
1: Uh, back um, in 2016, they did that to several uh, adult film stars and people that were associated with the industry. Chase, ba- uh, yeah, Chase and they, Manhattan they did
2: continued it. Yeah, they've they've continued to do it. Um, NTSF. When we filed our amicus brief uh, against the FOSTA SESTA law, um, we really kind of summed up different, you know, people who've come to us and said this has been a problem. We summed that up, real people who are being affected adversely by this this law because it's not just trying to stop sex trafficking; it's trying to stop um, prostitution, any form of sex for sale, including legal stuff like cam work and adult entertainment um they and 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 now it's just like lapping over into sex toys and being a sex educator or a sex therapist we've had sex therapists have their um ad which they've run on facebook for years and years and years suddenly they can't do that anymore
1: well and kate from swinging down under had her paypal taken away uh, and right. they it don't do, notorious. They, they don't do anything. I mean, they don't sell anything wrong. I mean, just, they have swinging in their name and that happened. And, you know, every, we we actually did an episode, we did a segment on sesta Fasta early on when we first started Casual Swinger and we talked about what happened, you know, to all the dating sites. All of the free dating sites went away. You can't do shit for free anymore.
2: Right. And that's Well, insane. you can't because, because they're so worried that if anybody offers any kind of sex for sale and a sting happens and the person's arrested, they can then go after the website.
1: Which is crazy.
2: So uh, we have a long list of websites that have just disappeared.
1: Well, so earlier this week, uh, SDC's Lexi Silver asked a question on Twitter. She said, if you could change one thing about the way people think about sexuality, what would it be? And and I you know I, I handle all our Twitter and I usually answer most of the stuff on Twitter because Mallory does everything else. <laughs> so <laughs> I uh, I answered that mine is their business. I would like to change that because other people think about sexuality and they think that my sexuality has anything to do with them whatsoever. It doesn't. So my question for you is, what is your answer to that? If you could change one thing about the way people think about sexuality, what would it be?
2: Yeah, that is lo- if it's consenting adults. It, it's nobody's business. As, as long as nobody's being harmed, you know, seriously injured, um, there's, there's, it should be nobody else's business than the people involved, um, including, um, you know, uh, city council zoning regulators. I mean, we should be able to have our places to be able to meet um, and to be able to talk to each other. And um, that's just under big threat right now.
0: Right on. Um, something I wanted to bring up. So Mickey, um, wrote an article ASN. He mentioned it earlier, uh, spoke to you and there's a club called the champagne club in Fort Wayne. Um, they needed your guys's help recently. Are you able to talk about, uh, you know, even just a little bit, um, how you helped mobilize and assisted the owners in their struggles?
2: Well, yes, we ended up, they put out a call. They, they wanted people to, right to the city council. So we put that call out on our website and Facebook page and um, let everybody know uh, what the, what was happening, which was the city council was trying to um, was considering passing a regulation that's based on the Phoenix ordinance, which outlaws swing clubs, And, um, and there was this lovely swing club in Fort Wayne champagne club. Uh, They were doing everything right. um, You know, just a really wonderful place. Um, And, and yet, this regulation, if it had been passed, could have put them out of business. So we put that up. Um, I contacted each one of the, the city council people. Um, we actually posted online the letter that we sent to them, which said, uh, you know, you really, you're not you're not elected to decide how people should live their lives in Fort Wayne. You are not the arbiter of other people's morals. Um, and if this really does come down to a moral issue, you should not be be telling other people they cannot do this. Um, And uh, thankfully, the city council listened. Um, A ton of people showed up at the meeting. And um, there were some very thoughtful council members who really thought about the issue. I think one of them went down and, like, took a look at the club, which is exactly what we want, um, you know, people to be knowledgeable. And uh, they did not pass this ordinance, um, which we were thrilled, thrilled about.
1: So interestingly enough, uh, that was one of two ordinances for the city of Fort Wayne, Indiana. The second one was implementing some serious limitations on the strip clubs in that very same area. Uh, Specifically, one of the rules was a distance limitation where people have Mm. to be a certain distance from the dancers. And that's been struck down many, many times because stripping is protected speech under the First Amendment. It's an expressive dance and it's been defended multiple times across the country. But sexual preference, sexual freedom, and sexual activity is not a protected activity under the Constitution in any way, shape, or form. So when we talk about things like the Champagne Club, yeah, that's a victory. But they're still, they're still attacking us in other ways. Have you guys heard anything from Fort Wayne since then about you know, what they're going to do after the fact? Or uh, I heard that uh, you know, they're going to go after them in zoning uh, to see what they can do.
2: Uh, that you know and that's unfortunately likely they often do zoning is often the 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 big club that's put against and beaten down people because you know all these zoning regulations it, it could be things like oh my gosh your 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 exit is six inches too close to the, the wow. door jam oh you know what gosh. i mean like like yeah. they can find the smallest reason to, to shut you down when it comes to zoning so i certainly hope that they don't do that um I was hoping that the, the publicity of this and the fact that it, it appeared to be very politically motivated um, would keep them from going after champagne clubs. Um, they've, of course, been super busy in dealing with the fallout of all of this. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. They also have to look to Texas, which is trying to pass... Um, it's got this sexually-oriented business tax at $5 a person. And so if your, your club is deemed to be a sexually-oriented business, um, you can follow fi- a foul of you know state laws. Isn't that
0: like, like every that. singles bar, <laughs>
2: <Right>? <laughs> like in the country? I know, I know. but you <laughs> know what? There's 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 a lot of money and um, an industry behind like nightclubs, and but even things like that, like in New York, suffered for many years. New York City because you couldn't dance in a bar because you had to have a cabaret license. So. These kinds of regulations are used to, to really restrict the kinds of businesses that are allowed. That's oh, man.
1: utterly ridiculous that they continue to get away with some of these things. So are you aware as the NCSF of any other clubs that are under scrutiny today or that are facing similar battles to the Champagne Club? Or was this kind of a one-off?
2: Oh, no. Uh, there's, there's a couple more clubs that are actively dealing with issues right now. So, um, And it's pretty ongoing. I actually have a list of events that are dealing with hotels as well, because hotels have have historically been a very safe place for us to produce events. um, And uh, they're being pressured more and more by these groups. So we have clubs and we have events that are under siege right now.
1: Wow. Is there a list of those available for the public to get involved if they want to write letters to city councilmen or, or to these hotel operators and let them know that their business is at risk?
2: And nothing right now, a lot of times these have to try to, like, work behind the scenes to resolve things. The Champagne Club was a very um, unique situation in that we were able to, like, raise awareness right before. And it was, like, a week before the meeting. Um, You know, it happened fast. Um, And so that's when we really put the public call out. And so when we do that, it's so important for people to respond. And so important for people to show up because it was the bodies in the in the at the meeting it was the letters that they got um that really helped kind of turn the tide on that
0: gotcha so if we want to tell our listeners how to help ncsf um the coalition and supporting members there's that option there's donors Uh, what are the difference between them and how do they do either
2: well you can certainly join as an individual member for 25 dollars any kind of uh, business or um, event or club can, um, or nonprofit group can join as a coalition partner. That's $100. Uh, you get listed on our website, and you vote in our board. Um, you decide what projects and programs we're working on. And we also have supporting memberships, which is $100, and you also get listed on our website, but you don't have the responsibilities. Um, we love it when people hold fundraisers for us, because if you hold a fundraiser, even if it's just passing the hat and you say a few words about NCSF, that helps raise awareness. A hundred percent of our, our money comes from memberships and donations, whether it's from a fundraiser or from an individual. We do have a foundation, so it's uh, tax deductible, so people can make a donation to us. It's our Institute for 21st Century Relationships. Um, I love it. our our ncsf foundation yes so um but we love it when people do fundraisers for us um we don't have any paid staff so all of the money that comes to ncsf goes into our advocacy efforts. um that's how we're able to go to all these conferences in the apa which we were the only sexually oriented booth at the apa and it was Crowded. There were so many people trying to get information, um, and it shows the lack of education that's being done. Wow. So, spending that money to go do that to create the guidelines for, um, you know, we were handing out our brand new guidelines uh, that we created with the APA's Division 44 Task Force on Consensual Non Monogamy, and it's guidelines for therapists on how to treat um, people who are non monogamous so that you won't be discriminated against. So, That's the sort of thing that we spend our money doing.
0: Bless you all. My goodness.
1: (laughs) (laughs) it is something. I mean, just looking at the massive work you have in front of you uh, is probably very daunting, but you guys should also look behind you and see all the good you've done already. Be proud of yourselves.
2: Well, it's very true. We are a coalition. We are so much stronger working with all of these hundreds of people. I mean, we have 30 regular volunteers. And then, like I say, 96 coalition partners. Those people are all actively involved. It just shows the power of a collective.
1: Hmm. Wow. All right. Well, let's, uh, you know, this has been a really entertaining 45 minutes for us. And I think, and more importantly, there's a lot of information here and resources available to everybody because of the things you do. So before we let you go... Uh, why don't you tell our listeners how to find the NCSF and how to request assistance should they need it? Fill them in, and this is your opportunity, right? Advertise. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we are Uh That is our website. And on our website, we have under our programs our consent counts program. We have our incident reporting and response. On our front page, we have a big button that says Get Help Now. So you can just click that and fill out our form. And somebody will be back to you usually within 24 hours, um, but at the most 48 hours. Uh, we try to help people right away because usually they, they really need to have that support uh, right away. We're also on Facebook. It's NCS Freedom, or you can just look up National Coalition for Sexual Freedom and definitely follow us because we put media updates up there about um, mentions of kink and non-monogamy in the media. Uh, so that's very interesting, as well as our call to action like we did with the Champagne Club. And uh, we're National Coalition for Sexual Freedom on Instagram, and we're NCSF on Twitter. Whew, that was mouthful. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you for all that you do, all that you have done, for being here with us today and exposing, you know, maybe a, a listener, two or 20 that, that could use your help. So we're Well,
2: thank you so much. It really is very helpful for us to be able to reach out to people this way.
0: Oh, the pleasure is definitely all ours.
1: Oh, 100%. So, uh, Mallory, you want to tell everybody how to find us? And we will let the beautiful Miss Wright go.
0: Yeah, these guys know where we are. We're Casual Swinger Everywhere, folks. That's Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, SLS, SDC, Cassidy, and Double Date Nation. If you'd like to reach out to us, please hit us up, podcast at casualswinger.com. And I think that's it, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's most of it,
1: right? <laughs> I had a great interview on iTunes. Come talk to us, whatever. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Miss Wright from the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom. See, I can't even get it right, but thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Casual Swinger.